Maury Rose, the two-time winner, takes the lead from Faulkner. That's the way they finish the first lap. It's Schumacher! It's Schumacher! about it, stick it on and send him out. Well, this has blown it for Irvine, blown it for Ferrari. I don't know what's happened. Welcome to another episode of Pillay and Parlay. I am your host, Mike Choco. Matt is here. It is Baku week, and we have some previewing to do and some probably terrible predictions to make. But before we get there, a little bit of news. And I'm actually going to start the show with a super duper secret host question. And this one's not for Matt. This one is for everybody listening. I have one later for Matt. But there are a lot of F1 historical things we could do in off weeks or book reviews. There's a lot of F1, good F1 books out there. So I want to turn it over to everybody listening to get an idea for what would you like to hear on off weeks? What type of historical stuff could we do that maybe switches it up a little bit? Because I found a lot, and uh, our pal Frenchie was reading the Damon Hill biography and, and shared some of it with me over the weekend. It looked pretty cool, so I think that's something I'm going to have to check out in my spare time. But Matt, we have to start off with a probably the, the strangest Valtteri Botas headline. I don't know if I it's like the strangest I've ever seen, but one of the stranger motorsports articles I've ever seen. Valtteri Botas has a quote unquote negative photo on his desktop computer to show them what I can do. AKA ha ha F you doubters. So I'm just going to leave it at that and, and see what you think. What are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, what is the opposite of a mentality monster? Because <laughs> it's just every time he does something that just makes me shake my head a little bit. And um, yeah, this is one of those. And I, I think it was mentioned that it wasn't related to Hamilton or Verstappen or anything like that. And it kind of makes me wonder what it would be. And it could just be a meme. I mean, I don't know. Uh, it could be his tire deflating at Baku, which, you know, that did, I think, robbed him of a second or a first that one. That was pretty unfortunate. But yeah, I just, yeah, it's just a head scratcher. I mean, you know, if it worked for him, I guess, who am I to judge? But I don't know if it necessarily needed to be broadcasted per se. Or I don't know if someone asked or how that works, but it's just kind of a weird one. Yeah, I would love to know how this became part of the conversation. He says he was inspired by chats with Toto Wolf last year. And I get it. Okay. You're trying to motivate yourself. Like if, if he just left that at that, I would be like, okay, you know what? I respect, you know, everybody's got to motivate themselves. And then, you know, I don't carry a picture of Lewis or Max in my pocket, which would be weird anyway. It's not really a positive thing. It's a negative thing so that always reminds me to show them what I can do. Every time he says something like this, he has a bad weekend after. Every every time. He's a mental, some sort of mental case. And I was trying to explain it to my dad this weekend, who 
doesn't really follow along with the kind of off track stuff in F1. And, and I really struggled to come up with a, I don't know, classification for Botas, but he's, he's in his head way too much. If he's talking about it in this great detail, and I don't know if it's like a picture of like him crashing, like what, if it's not about Lewis or Max, like those are your two, I don't know if biggest rivals is the word, but they are the ones that are probably going to challenge you on track the most on a consistent basis this year. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Hey, if he wins a championship because of it, then I guess it'll all have been worth it. Am I right? Speaking of another driver who's had a couple of rough races in a row and there is some growing concern about confidence and performance and whatnot. Um, Alpha Tauri announced today that Yuki Sonoda is actually going to be relocated to Italy as far as his living situation. So Sonoda is going to be moving closer to the team factory, which will be good in a lot of ways for him. Obviously, I don't know where if he, where he's living now, if he's living in Japan or if he's living England or wherever, but Italy has its own culture, which may be different than what Sonoda was used to growing up to or where he's been living for the last couple of years. So that might be one shift. And obviously nobody likes moving. Moving can often be a pain. But if you're closer to the team and you get to connect with your guys more and maybe, you know, get to the factory more to get on the same page with everybody and make sure we have strategies nailed before we get to the race, that might be a good thing. So what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, it's interesting. I I, I kind of get it because, you know, he's how old is he? Is he 19 or 20? I probably could just look at that if I opened up the the news article here, but either way, he's, he's super young moving him, you know, closer to the team and kind of closer to more formula one people. I guess it makes sense. I mean, I guess, you know, being, he was in the UK before I think, so it's not like he was far from, from formula one people, but I guess, being closer to the team and the team can kind of monitor him and, and maybe he's in the shop more. Maybe that does help him grow because after a, a first good weekend, he's really been all over the place. I know he also said at some point in the last week, I need to clean up my, my chatter on the radio. So he's definitely kind of, you know, I don't want to say like Botas, but I think he's also a little bit in his own head right now. And, and maybe this this gives him the reset to you know refocus heading into the summer months before the summer break. Yeah, could do. Your boy Esteban Ocon's got some positive momentum for the first time in a long time. He's actually had a couple of good races in a row. And now he's suckering the people at Alpine into giving him a new deal. Al Ocon came out and said that he's going to let his management team just work with Alpine or I'm saying Alpine. What have I been doing that Alpine and I didn't they're even going catch it. to work out. They're going to work out some sort of new deal. Apparently. Yeah, what do you think of, uh, what do you think of that? I feel like I already know the answer, but what do you think of that? Well, I'm not going to give you the answer you think, because I, I think right now he's doing what it takes to, be an f1 driver he's clearly the top car on that team this year i don't even think it's close right now alonzo said this week i I think after the french grand prix i'll be able to really get a feel for the car so i i don't know you know i guess two-year layoff can can do that to you but Ocon is the clear better driver on that team right now and 
leaving it up to his management team and not involving himself kind of leads me to believe that he's not really worried about it. Like he's, he just wants to focus on, on the track and leave everything else to his management team, which is, I think the right attitude to have. So good for him. I have nothing bad to say in, in this. I, I know it's not like me with Ocon, but I, 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 I got nothing, nothing bad. It's weird. I'm, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. Alonzo <laughs> came out today and said like basically that his season starts in France, which I don't know what that means for Baku. If we're just, Is he gonna, just like, like mentally skipping right off this next race or what, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he'll be MIA this weekend. Maybe he just won't show up. Who knows? Probably got sad <laughs> watching the Indy 500 and seeing what a good race looks like. And it was just like, oh, crap. So, yeah, I mean, curious to see if that is him signaling that they're going to be pretty bad at Baku or what. But, uh, yeah, I, it's, you're right. Ocon has outperformed him so far. I think he's Alonso's had a couple bad breaks, uh, you know, issues at Bahrain. And I believe Imola really hindered him. So, and then... He had a really bad qualifying effort at Monaco, which was kind of on him. So the 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 driver's battles there is not over quite yet, but uh, definitely Ocon is is making it worthwhile for Alpine to look into his contract for next year for sure. Yeah, and before we get to the Baku preview, one article that I found pretty interesting was about Alfa Romeo. Drivers Antonio Giovinazzi, according to team boss Frederick Vassour, believes that uh, Giovinazzi no longer needs his experienced teammate Kimi Raikkonen as a reference after changing his approach to Formula One. This is Giovinazzi's third season in F1, scored his first points of the year last week in Monaco. So off to a good start. And he's he seemed like the better Alfa Romeo driver this year. And my one question to you before I, I get your take on all of this is, I mean, I, I get it. Like, I think you're in your third year, year now. You, you kind of you have to stop relying on older teammates to find your way to a degree. But is, has Kimi Raikkonen ever been one to be a welcome and warm teammate? Like, he doesn't... I feel like he's not a guy that's spending hours in the in the team truck afterwards sharing setup advice. Like he might give a, a pointer or two, but how much how much has Giovinazzi really been leaning on Riken in any way? Probably none. <laughs> it's tough to tell. We just don't know what their dynamic is. I mean, obviously they do some media stuff and and this and that, but I think out of every pairing on the grid, I think I think other than maybe Russell and Latifi, there's no combination that's talked about less than these two. So I don't disagree with what he's saying. I think Gio is doing well on his own. I think he honestly is leading the team right now as far as performance yes. and pace. So Reichen is good for the brand. He's got a lot of followers and he's a legend of the sport, but I don't know if he's adding as much to the team anymore as he once could have. So I think honestly, and I don't know how much they're paying him, but I'm assuming it's a lot just because he's a champion veteran. Yep. But um, I would definitely love to see uh, Callum Eilat or maybe one of the F2 drivers that's in the Academy get a shot. Cause I just think at this point in time, the junior team 
with Raikkonen, it this does it's kind of a head scratcher. So I don't know if that makes as much sense to keep him around anymore. But kind of pains me to see that because you know Frenchie shared with us today a cool montage of amazing car control skills by Raikkonen, and you know when he was in the McLaren car and the early 2000s mid 2000s that was awesome he was just a epic driver 2005 was one of my favorite seasons ever just because he and alonzo were so much fun to watch and that'll never be taken away from me even though he's had some years between then and now that have not been as great but no matter what happens he's still gonna be a legend of the sport that's for sure yeah always will go down as you know one of the greatest but and also one of the most entertaining listen to entertaining listening to his his radio but at, at this point i think calamilot is is a great fit he's i think he's running some i don't know if it's wc or or some sort of i think european le mans and i know he's running a ferrari there so and he said he's he's gonna wait on for formula one to to open up for him so he's he's not giving up that hope so I think he'd be a good fit there. You know, next year Gio will be in his fourth season. I think it's, I think at that point in your Formula One career, you're you're experienced enough to have a young teammate and and kind of teach him the ways. And I, I don't think Kimi Räikkönen is that guy anymore. I think he's just kind of riding it to collect a paycheck and and do what he was do what he was asked to do. But I, I think he can retire now. Yeah, and he can retire with his head held high because you know he's yes for sure he's accomplished so much, and you know he's probably the second best. I'd probably put him in front of KK Rosberg. So yeah, I'd say he's probably the second best finished driver behind Hakkinen in Formula One. I don't think I missed anybody too major there. So I'm sorry, I forgot Mika Salo. I'm no. just kidding, but. Uh, yeah, I think he's definitely going to solidify himself somewhere in a lot of people's, you know, maybe like top 20 drivers of all time. So that'll be that'll be good tributes to come out whenever he does decide to retire. And, you know, he's always said this is a hobby for him. So we'll see what the future holds for him. But we'll uh, focus on Baku now. Before I even get to the flexi wings that we talked about for the first time last week, and this is probably going to be a a Weekly. bigger topic going forward. Just want to get your overall thoughts on Baku. So, you know, we've yeah. had some rants before about Vietnam, about the new Saudi Arabian circuit, about Sochi. There's this kind of new era of street races that all kind of have the same feel to them. And then there's Baku. What do you think of Baku? And what do you think of the entertainment value we've seen so far in its four-year history? I love Baku. I know it's people seem to either love it or hate it, but I love that track. I love it. It's it's highly entertaining. There's fast straights. There's the castle section where you have to be right on your right on your game, right on the lane. You can't put a wheel wrong, otherwise your race is done. And the straights give plenty of room for overtaking DRS or not, as we saw. I think in 2018, Ricardo in his last year with Red Bull overtook. Oh, I was just watching it on YouTube earlier today. Overtook somebody down the front stretch without DRS. Get ready, race fans, because the ultimate NASCAR experience is about to hit the airwaves. 
Welcome to Pit Pass NASCAR, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of NASCAR racing. Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been waiting for. Get ready to fuel your passion for NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us. Launching in the fall on Evergreen Podcast Network. Follow us on social media at pitpass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix dissecting the the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the checkered flag. So there's the possibility of unmanufactured passing happening, and I think it's just a really cool track. I like the i i just i think it's one of my i don't know if it's like top five on my on my favorite tracks but it really provides a lot of interesting entertainment sections fast and slow are all entertaining to me yeah it's just it it works you look at it on paper and you're like ah, i'm not sure about this and then you look at the 3d rendering of the onboard as like a first display of what it's going to look like you're like ah, i don't know about that like you're driving through a castle like what yeah what's, what's the point of that and now you're like you know the i think it was like the first race 2016 you're like wow like this could work like this could be fun and then i'm not sure if it was the year 2017 or 2018 when lewis and vettel had their tizzy under the safety car i'm like all right well that's a moment that's going to be replayed for a long time and then you know stroll's podium getting pipped at the line by botas was super cool you got Verstappen and Ricardo hitting each other and being forced to apologize to the entire factory because of it. You got Botas's tire failure. You got Alonso coming back to the pit somehow on like one wheel. I think it was two wheels were flat at least, maybe three. Um, what else we got? Who was it? Was it was it Ricardo who just kind of reversed into somebody two years ago? I, mean, I feel oh, like this boy. track. Just There's always four something. Years yeah, just in its four years of existence, something always happens, and it definitely has an IndyCar feel to it, which I love. Kind of like the best of both worlds. We're getting kind of this crazy race with unpredictability and passing that's not very difficult in the sport of Formula One, which is what IndyCar fans get pretty much every time they race. So I think it's super cool. I hope it stays on the schedule for a long time just because it's it's just a fun race. It's one I definitely look forward to. And it's usually somewhere near the, I think the last couple have been on the same weekend as Road America, which means I've missed them. It's kind of a bummer, but 
Uh, it's definitely, I think this will be the first one in a while I've actually gotten to watch. Well, I'm, not even, I'm not even home this weekend. I guess I should change my sentence there. But <laughs> I'll be able to watch it in some capacity indoors somewhere. Good. So the top five from 2019, which is the last time we ran, was uh, Valtteri Bottas, Lewis Hamilton, Sebastian Vettel with Ferrari, Max Verstappen, and Charles Leclerc. So flexi wings obviously is still a big topic at this point tuesday when we are recording we have not heard anything about any tests or anybody failing tests or who's paying for the tests or anything that we kind of talked about last week so again we'll keep our eyes on that and keep it keep you all posted but the thing that came out this week was kind of just a general consensus that the flexi wings may not make a huge difference for baku I think the primary reason there is because the turns at Baku aren't necessarily contingent on downforce. So it's kind of just a mechanical handling handling track, but the flexi wings that could help a team at like a Monaco aren't going to make that much of a difference at a place like Baku, just because drag is going to be, or cars are probably going to be trimmed out a lot anyways. So do you think that's going to hurt a team like Red Bull this weekend if they're, grandmaster plan of flexi wings isn't as beneficial for them not necessarily red bull's been strong from from the start of the season no matter where they've been so i don't think it's necessarily going to hurt them very much especially if sergio perez can have a good qualifying weekend and and get right up there with verstappen and and be able to foil with Mercedes strategy a little bit more than they have in the first handful of races this year. So no, I don't think it's going to make a difference. It, it might make a difference for like a lower tiered team than a higher tiered team that re- relies on it. But I don't think it probably, I don't think it really would make a, a big difference to Red Bull and Max Verstappen. Yeah. I still think they're going to be fast. I think, yeah. uh, wonder how much Honda is going to help them with the power if that's going to maybe again keep them level with Mercedes like we've seen just about everywhere this year but thinking back to a, a track with long straights we've already been to like Bahrain so we will see we've had four different winners in four races which is another cool fact of this track so we've had Rosberg, Hamilton, Botas, and Ricardo win so far the odds that we see a new winner what do you think so that was Rosberg, Hamilton. Who are the other two? Botas and Ricardo. Botas and Ricardo. I am going to say we will see a fifth new winner at Baku this year. Who's that? So, gonna be? oh, I don't want to predict the winner. I just want to leave this prediction at that. All right. Well, I. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to put I, too I'll, much pressure on myself. No, I'll go for it. I think uh, Checo's going to win. There we go. Okay. You heard it here All first. Right. All right, I so, guess with that being said, who's going to who's going to do good? <laughs> so, I'll hey, I I I know he he has not had a good start to the year, but I think I've I've read a few interviews that sound like McLaren's going to have a good weekend. So, I'll take uh Danny Rick this weekend. Yeah, see, every time I pick him he ends up doing bad. So, I uh I'll say Checo. And again, I'm thinking he's going to win. I, uh, I'm getting the vibes. So, I mean, we'll, we do our Indy 500 episode next. My prediction for bad that week was Elio, which is fantastic. Absolutely love that. 
Well, my, so my you predictions guys, uh, were awful. Yeah, your predictions weren't great either, but at least you didn't have the winner as your bad pick. But I uh, <laughs> hope the hope if you guys listen to this, uh, some of you maybe more Formula One focused fans got a chance to check out the Indy 500 this last weekend because it was absolutely amazing. So hopefully you gave it a watch. Mike, who's going to do bad this week? Is uh, You know what? Since we talked about him earlier, I'm going to say Fernando Alonso. Rude. I know. Hater. He's kind of like bordering on low-hanging fruit since he said he's pretty much not expecting to do much this weekend, but yeah. Pass. In some sort of capacity, whether it's just a piddly seventh or something, I don't think he's going to have his, his best race. Who is your Dark Horse top 10? I am going to take everybody's favorite meme and TV graphic in Lance Troll. Ugh. I know. He did history. He did have the last podium for a Williams racing car. Wow. At Baku in 2017. Don't, don't quote me wow. on the year. But that's like the nicest Funny. thing I've said about Williams in like forever. So That's true. All right. I'm going to say Alonzo just because you think he's going to do bad. <laughs> Lastly, who's going to get eliminated in Q1? Well, I, don't, I really just want to pick Alonzo here, but I, I want to differentiate my picks so I have a chance at having a good one. Let's see here. I am going to say... I'm sorry, Yuki Sonoda, but I don't think this is quite your week. And sticking with the common answer, I'm also going to say Alonzo. <laughs> I just think I he's just going to... very um, close I think he's just going to be able to rebound and get a top 10 out of it as well. So, so I got a lot of writing on Alonzo. I need him to do bad for you, but also score a top 10 for me, which doesn't make sense. No, 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 wait, no. If he scores a top 10, that's going to be bad for you. So that's good. It's basically all so I, he, I need Alonzo to qualify poorly and then race very well. Yeah, so you want him to start 16th or worse, but then finish in the top 10. You're asking a lot of Fred in, in one weekend. Well, you know, he's he's really good at what he does. Or at least he was. Okay. I'm still jury's still out, and if he's still got it, so yeah, fair. Well, where I've been up there, not too much going on otherwise. Again, there will be some sort of live show this weekend, whether it be me or me and Matt, or maybe uh, our pal Frenchie will join me again if Matt is away wherever this weekend. And guys, have a lovely weekend of racing. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.